and turn to page 58. We'll sing that great song together. Page number 58. Majesty. He is worthy of our praise this morning. Amen. Let's sing it out together on that first verse. Majesty. Worship His majesty unto Jesus beyond glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority flow from His throne unto His own, His anthem Jesus the King, Majesty, worship His Majesty, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings, Amen. been reading in uh, Psalms in my Bible reading, and, and this morning it was, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Amen. And He deserves our praise and our, our, our worship this morning. And so sure glad that you are here. We've got quite a few guests here with us, and we're certainly glad you are here uh, as well. And I know we've been having a little bit of a struggle with the live stream, and so trust that's working okay. And uh, sure glad to have uh, those tuning in online. And it's just good to be in God's house. Amen. And what a blessing. And we had a great time uh, Friday night with our uh, harvest party. And uh, man, there were kids running around screaming everywhere. It was great. And praise God, then it was over. Amen. <laughs> no, we did. We had a good time and sure thankful for that. And uh, tonight, uh, after our evening service, we're going to have a Linger Longer over in the fellowship hall. The teens are having a teen chili cook-off, and so we're going to be uh, eating their chili. And so do eat it, but at your own risk, right? Uh, but no, I, I believe it'll be a blessing uh, to you. And so looking forward uh, to that. But sure, thankful for the day and looking forward to just a good day in the Lord's house. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God's blessing on our services this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Alan uh, Quinlan if you would pray for us uh, this morning. Remain standing, please, and let's turn to page number 11. Page number 11 in your hymn book, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Page 
page number 11.
all your sins For thus he has commanded If you would enter in And then if you should live A hundred years below Up there you'll not regret it You're settled long ago instruments are going to keep playing. Let's get around and shake hands with one another this morning. If you're visiting here for the first time, we're so glad you're here this morning. Good to have some visiting back with us today. that page. I want to go back and sing verse number three again. The last verse, verse five says, O sinners, seek the Lord. Repent of all your sin. You know why? Because verse three says, when at the judgment bar I stand before my king, everyone is going to stand before the Lord one day. And you're going to have to give an account. Either you know Christ as your Savior or you don't. Our prayer is you know Christ as your Savior. And if you don't, that you'll get that settled this morning. Amen. Let's sing verse number three again and give it some thought as you sing it. Do you know the Lord this morning? Sing it out on verse three. When at the judgment bar I stand before my king And he the book will open He cannot find a thing Then will my heart be glad While tears of joy will flow Because I had it settled And settled long ago, long ago Long ago Yes, the old account was settled long ago And the record's clear today For he washed my sins away When the old account was settled long ago If it's settled in your heart, say amen this morning Praise the Lord Brother Tim As the men come for the offering I'd like to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 He says in verse 6 But this I say, he which soweth sparingly Shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Brother Parker, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. Goodbye, world, goodbye. If you're saved, you're going to be out of here one of these days. Amen. I thought the piano was going to fly out of there for a second. Great job, Ms. Christy. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Let's all stand together. Turn to page 290. A new name written down in glory. Page number 290. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Sing it out with me on that first verse. 
I was once a sinner, but I came pardoned to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven nevermore to roam. I was humbly kneeling at the cross, fearing not but God's angry frown. When the heavens opened and I saw that my name was written down, there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven nevermore to roam. In the book tis written, saved by grace, oh the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven, and I know by the blood I am made whole. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, nevermore to roam. If you're bound for heaven, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Great singing. Just before the message, our ensemble sing this morning. groaning 
to break the seal and open the scroll. The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Of all blessing and honor and glory. Is he worthy of this? He is. Does the Father truly love us? Spirit move among us, he does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves, he does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us, he does. Is anyone worthy? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priests to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy, is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy, is he worthy, is he worthy of shout hallelujah and run around the building one time and now I want to preach Revelation chapter 5 and then I started thinking why didn't they sing that when I was preaching Revelation 5 son awesome what a great song boy we serve a worthy God this morning somebody say amen what a blessing uh, this morning and to think of all of that that he is worthy of and and every uh, his his holiness his righteousness and everything 
And then to think on top of that that He loves you and me. And mercy, I'm telling you. Uh, and in fact, that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. And uh, so thankful that you're here and our guests that are here. We're glad that you are certainly here. We've been preaching through the book of Romans uh, on Sunday morning. And uh, we made it all the way to, to chapter number 5. And so that's where we're going to be at this morning. So I want to ask if you turn there. And, and as you're turning there, if you're able to stand this morning in honor of God's Word, sir, I want to invite you to stand and uh, man, I'm t- I hope you got your Bible this morning and, and a way to get the Word of God. And, and I was thinking, man, we need to start getting some Bibles out in these pews and stuff for people that come and may not have their Bible with them. But man, I'm telling you, it's just a wonderful truth uh, this morning. We actually started chapter 5 last week. And uh, we begin to see really what I would say to you is the benefits of salvation. All right? As, as it says there in, in verse number 1, being justified by faith, that's... That's the only way you can be saved this morning is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But once you are saved, he says this, we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse number 2, we have, we have access to God. And, and then in verse number 5, as you kind of close out that little section there, it also says this, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And so what a blessing that is. We have peace with God. We have access with God. We have the love of God shed abroad in our heart. The reason that I wanted to recall all of that to you is because where you and I pick up this morning in verse number 6, we really, you see all of those subjects coming up once once again. In fact, it starts with with, with God's love once again. Look at verse number 6. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a blessing there. And we're going to look at that. But look at verse number 9. Because notice this. It says much more than being now justified. There's justified again. Being much more... Be, or being now justified, and notice this, justified by His blood. Not, not by baptism, but by His blood. Alright? We shall be saved from, the wrath, from wrath through Him. For if, we, uh, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also... Joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Did you see all of that? Every one of all of that is there again. I, listen, there's love, there's justification, there, there's the joy that we can have because the love of God has been shed in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. It, it's all it's all there. So here's the application to us. Are you a partaker of God's love? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Has there been a day and time? Listen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Has there been a day and time in your life that you can go back to your mind's eye and say, I called upon the Lord. That's when I got saved. And that's when I was a partaker of God's love. Have you done that? Has there been a time? Listen, if not, today needs to be the day of salvation. 
Let the love of God be shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Ghost. You can, then you can have God's joy. But here's the thing for us. Listen, as God's people, we're not out of the woods on this. Uh, 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 we're not out in the woods on this either. All right? Because you understand, we, we have, once you've received God's love, and I love this, once you've received God's love, you've been saved, you've been justified. And look at what he says in verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can be a conduit of God's love uh, by expressing His joy in our life. And so that's, you and I, man, I'm telling you, it's good stuff this morning. But here's basically what I, I just, I titled the message, Are You a Partaker of God's Love? And we're going to see some of that this morning. Father, would you bless the preaching? And Lord God, thank you for your love for us. Just incredible. And I pray that just emphasis would be placed on that this morning. And Lord God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, let today be the day of salvation. And God, I I pray for us that have been saved. Lord, help us to have your joy in our life. Even as we go through tribulation, Lord, we can glory in our tribulation because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. Would you help us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you be seated this morning? I, I don't know why, but the only thing I could think of to maybe illustrate this is an electric fence. And for some reason, and I don't know what it is about little boys, but little boys and electric fences just provide a lot of entertainment. Um, and I know, you know, when I was a kid growing up, and if you, you know, you ever saw an electric fence, I don't know what it was, but you just had to touch it and to see if there was actually any electricity going through it. And that's the way it was for me. Maybe you're a little smarter than I am, I guess. Well, that's just what we did. And I remember one one time I spent spent uh, a couple of weeks in in summer as a kid. I was about seven or eight years old and spent a couple of weeks staying with my grandparents who lived in in Lakeland, Florida. And right across the street from their house was this big, huge cow pasture. And it had barbed wire that ran all the way around it, but it also had electric fence. Well, I had, at the same time, I had met one of the kids uh, down the street and he was kind of like I was. He was a few fries short of a Happy Meal. You know what I'm saying? And so there we were, two fellas that just weren't too bright. And there was an electric fence there. And so I, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I reached out and, and, uh, and I touched that thing. And because, you know, we'd started daring each other to touch. You touch it. No, you t- I dare you to. I dare you. I triple dog. You know how that thing goes. And so, anyways, I reached over and I touched it. And when I did, I'm just, yeah, I found it, it lit me up. And I, it was on. And son, I grabbed it and went, whoo, son, it's on. And he reached over and so he grabbed it and he touched it and nothing happened. And I, I and he, so he's looking at me, he's like, man, that thing ain't on. I said, yeah, yeah, it is. And he reached up and he touched it again. And when he touched it, I reached over and touched him. And what happened was, see, he had his shoes on, but I didn't. And I was grounded. And so what happened was his unbelief immediately became faith. He believed. You, you understand? I'm just saying, listen, I, I was actually thinking about this message and thinking about this as a way to illustrate the idea here. But, and so I, I found a lot of just wonderful, great videos of people that did that same. I, I found a, uh, there was a group of Australian kids and they, they did the same thing as a science experiment. And there were about three or four kids and they were all standing on chairs. 
And the one kid at the end grabbed the electric fence and they're all standing there. And the kid at the end, he was standing there on the ground. He took his shoes off and he grabbed all the kids and they all screamed and jumped off the chairs and fell out on the ground. And I died laughing. I said, you could have just asked me and I'd have told you what was going to happen, you know. <laughs> well, what, I'm, what I'm trying to illustrate to you though is this, is that just as, just as electricity has a source, God's love has a source. It's Him. You understand? It's Him. God is love. He is he is His source of, of this love. And, and really this, and it can only be known through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's His love that, that invites every person to be, to be saved and, and forgiven of their sin and receive eternal life. Aren't you glad it says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what... What side of the railroad tracks you were born, whatever, whatever the case may be, you can be saved. And here's why, because of God's love. But at the same time, once you tap into that source, that love, you can experience His joy and you can be a conduit to others who need His love. And that is exactly what our text is about as Paul is writing the saints in Rome. I believe this, I no doubt, I have no doubt, he is certainly reaching out to the lost who need to be saved. But he's also reaching out to the child of God to say this. Man, you, God loves you. You have tapped into that love. And you now need to express that love by having His joy in your life. And, and, and that's really, I'm just telling you, that's exactly what we uh, see from this. And we'll, we'll deal with all of this here in just a minute. But before we, got it, before we get into this, I think it would be fair to say this that we need to kind of make it clear what this word love means in verse number 8. But God commendeth His love toward us. Because you and I understand this, that we are living in a culture today that is rapidly redefining terms. And, and by the way, they are redefining terms, even biblical terms, and they're redefining them outside of the Word of God. Uh, we, we brought this out when we looked at, at faith in the previous chapters where Paul has made his case that, that man is condemned and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the only way to be saved is by, by faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. But we made it clear that faith in the Bible is not just accepting the facts because even James says that the devils believe uh, and tremble, meaning this, they accept the fact that there is a God. But faith is more than just accepting the fact. It is putting your personal trust in someone, meaning this, your trust in Jesus Christ to save you. So you better make sure this morning, it's not that you just accept the fact that there is a God, but you've had a time and place where you put your faith and trust in Him. All right, that's biblical faith. Well, what I'm saying to you is this, though, is that love is another one of those terms that's been redefined. In fact, we hear much in our culture today about love, but I've got to be honest with you, according to the Scriptures, it's not really love, it's lust. And I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to give you the truth this morning, and you need, need to understand that. And, and so as we get into this, you need to grab a hold of this, that there are only three Greek words uh, that are used, that were commonly used for the word love, uh, during the, the writing of the, of the New Testament Scriptures. The first one is this, Eros, uh, E-R-O-S, all right? And this is a passionate love that has to do 
with the desire that's within man. And this is where we get our word erotic, all right? Eros and erotic. You need to know this. That word is not used in the Bible at all. It's not. And I believe this. I believe this. It's because God wanted to make it clear that we would understand what love truly is. Love is not lust. All right? Then there's the other word. And I like this one, philio. All right? P-H-I-L-E-O. I'll spell it for you. All right? And this is the affection found in a friendship. Uh, this is brotherly love where it says, let brotherly love continue in Hebrews 13.1. Uh, we would say this, Philadelphia, philio, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's a good thing right there, right? Uh, brotherly love. But this word is agape. All right? And this is God's word. And this is, the, this, is, this is God's love right here. And be a fact, there's also another term the Bible uses besides love. It also uses charity, which I believe really it's an old English term. But I think it's a better word for love, especially in the day and age in which we live in. All right? So hold your place there in Romans. And let's, let's go over here. Let me, let me give you some things here from 1 Corinthians 13. All right, 1 Corinthians 13. Just turn past the book of Romans. You'll get into 1 Corinthians. And let me read some things to you about love, this agape, all right, this God's love. And, and be a fact, it's, it's used here as charity. And look at verse number 4 in your Bible. Look at, look at what the Bible says. Here's, what, here's God's love. This is the, the characteristics of it. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. And notice 1 Corinthians verse 5. It doth not, this is charity still, it doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Look, look at verse number 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. That's sin, okay? Uh, it, but rejoiceth in, in the truth. Uh, charity, this love, this agape love, it beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. And I like this in verse number 8, charity never faileth. And what a blessing that is. And we know at the end, man, Paul gets into this and talks about faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest of these is charity. And talks about how God's people need to manifest this love of God in their life. But simply put, if I could give this to you just very quickly... Simply put, the characteristics of God's love, this agape love, is this. It is unconditional and it is sacrificial. Sure thankful for that. I'm sure thankful for that, but at the same time I'm convicted because that's not always the love that I manifest from my life. I know you're going, well, you know, preacher, you've got issues, but not me, I'm good, i no, I, I think that we would all share in that sentiment this morning. That we would all understand this. But you've got to understand this. This is the love that God has for us. Now, praise God for that. All right? He is rich in mercy. He is great in His love toward us. Aren't you glad for that? But also, this is the love that is supposed to flow through the lives of His children and have an impact on those around them. And this is what you and I begin to see here in our text. So let's go back to Romans chapter 5. And let me just give you some things to chew on uh, this morning here very, very quickly. Now, number one, I want you to see this, the proof of God's love. Look at verse number 6, okay? Uh, tell you what, go back up to verse number 5. So notice this in Romans chapter 5. Look at verse number 5. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed, 
But the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So as already mentioned here in verse number 5, Paul mentions the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And the reason for this is because of the confusion that the child of God can often experience in their tribulation. Remember, this is all in the context. Look at verse number 3. Okay, He says this. So he's talking about the benefits of salvation. He says we have peace with God in verse number 1. We have access unto God in His grace and His, re- and, and His joy in verse number 2. And then in verse number 3, he says this, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation so we can have joy in our tribulation. Well, how? Well, we can because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. In other words, when, we go, when we're going through a tribulation, we can almost at times experience you know, confusion and, and think maybe God doesn't care about us. But my friend, according to verse 3, we're to glory in our tribulation. We're to have joy. And here's why. Because we can know that God is with us in our tribulation. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart under the Holy Ghost. And what Paul begins to do is this. To offer more proof of that, Paul begins to explain some things about God's love in verses 6 through 8. Here's what he says. Well, here's what I... What I wrote down in my notes, the first thing is this, God displayed His love. Look at what He says in verse number 8, but God commendeth His love toward us. Do you know what that word commendeth means? It means displayed. Do you understand this? It's one thing to say that I love you, but you you understand the only way people know that you love them is if you display it. Is that right? I mean, listen, I can tell my wife that I love her. But the way that I demonstrate or display that love is with action. And it's to take her out on a date. I'm telling you, man, still date your wife. Amen. It's pretty good. I I did that Thursday night. Got a pretty good steak out of the deal. (laughs) Amen. It's to to demonstrate that love, to to, to take her out on a date, to buy her some new shoes. Because you, you and ladies know you need more shoes. There was your chance, ladies, right there. Amen, preacher, that's, you missed it. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that I can say I love you all all I want to my wife, but she knows that through the way that I demonstrate it, through the way that I display it, and what God's saying is this, is that I love you and He displayed it. Come on, friend, He displayed it on the cross of, of Calvary for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That, my friend, is sacrifice and the greatest display of God's love. And you need to listen, and please understand that it's not that God hasn't displayed His love for mankind over and over again. I mean, you look at Israel, God certainly did. Come on, God called Moses to deliver them out of the bondage of Egypt. God sent the plagues. God parted the Red Sea. God brought down the walls of Jericho. God gave them David, a man after his own heart. God would send them prophet and men of God after man of God to call them to repentance and to get right with them. Why? Because He loved them. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that when you get to the cross of Calvary, that is the greatest display of God's love because it is God giving Himself for mankind. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And the Word was made manifest. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. My friend, it is God that says, I love you. And He showed it by giving Himself on the cross of Calvary for our sin. I firmly believe this. We will never fully understand the fullness of God's display of love until we first see all that entails His death on the cross. And I, listen, I, I don't have time to go through every little detail and, and thing. I just, I wrote some things down just for time's sake to give to you, but I would say this, certainly His death was unjust. But I, listen, he, he became sin for us who knew no sin. He hadn't done anything wrong. Somebody say amen. Come on, all He did was minister and show compassion and heal and, and raise the dead. What a blessing. But I'm just saying to you, if there ever was a person undeserving of the cross, it was Jesus Christ. Um, he, his death was one of great suffering. But I, listen, I, I, I really believe this. I, when you look at like Gospels like Matthew that we preached through before, I believe this. I believe one of the most gruesome scenes is in the small phrase, and they scourged him. And he's talking about the Roman cat of nine tails that has the bones and the, and, and the, you know, the iron woven into it, and they would just throw it across the back of the Savior and then snatch it down, tearing away at his, at his flesh. And listen, they, they, they plucked out his beard. They, they mocked him. They, they spit upon him, which I think is one of the most most demeaning things a human can do to another human is to spit upon them. They, they beat Him. Uh, we, under, we understand. And then certainly His death on the cross was humiliating. Uh, Galatians 3.13 tells us, Cursed is, is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Listen, they put Him between two thieves like a common criminal. Now I, I'm just telling you, whole messages, all right, and series of messages... Have been, have been built simply upon the scene of Calvary. But the point is to say this. It was this display of God's love, my friend, that was the greatest display. It was Him going to the cross in the flesh of a man so that mankind could be forgiven once and for all and receive eternal life. Incredible. But here's the other thing, and this is what, I, this is what you got to catch here. Because it's not just the display of God's love. It's the depth of God's love that's here. Well, what do you, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, here's, notice, he, notice, here's what he says. Here's what he says about you and me. In verse number 6, he says this, For when we were yet without Christ, or without strength, in due time Christ died for the, who's that? The ungodly. And, and look at verse number 8 again, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet, who's that right there? Sinners. Well, what I'm saying to you is this, is that He died knowing, knowing our true condition. That I was a sinner and I was ungodly and undeserving of a salvation. Look at verse number 7. Look at what He points out. He says this, He says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. What He's saying is this, some are willing to die for others. Come on, I, I think of our I think of our military. Does anybody get this? I think of our I think of our police officers, our, our firefighters, those who have we could say it like this, they died in the line of duty. 
right? And we would understand that their sacrifice reflected their love. Come on, their love for God, maybe? Their love for country? They, they, they died for good causes such as liberty, good people, their family, fellow citizens, neighbors, things like that. But the point Paul is making is this, is that Christ died for you and me knowing who we truly were. Because we weren't good. We still aren't good. We're ungodly. We're sinners. I, uh, I love the scene. I love the scene of when God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint David to be king. And he sits there in the house of Jesse. He comes in and sits down. And in walks the oldest son, Eliab. And Samuel goes, this has got to be it. Big Eliab comes in, you know, you know, he's been doing P90X, working out. But here, listen, here's why he thought that. Because the Bible says that Saul, the current king, stood head and shoulders above the rest. And so Eliab is thinking, this has got to be the guy. I mean, he is big and strong. He's, and this is what God says to Samuel. Samuel, that this is not the man. And you need to quit looking on the outer appearance. Because God, because God looketh upon the heart. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. I, I see what's in man. I, I know what's in man. Is everybody catching this? In fact, it was the Lord Jesus during his earthly ministry in John chapter 2. In the very last verse in John chapter 2, it says this, that he didn't commit himself unto men. Here's why. For he knew what was in man. Do you understand? It's real easy for us to put on something on the outside, but be something totally different on the inside. And the truth of the matter is, if we're honest with ourselves, we're ungodly and we're sinners, but yet Christ, knowing who we truly are, still died for us so that we can be saved. Now, son, I'm telling you, that's love. That is a deep love. Is everybody getting this this morning? I'm just telling you, he didn't just display it and put it, on, put it up there for us to see. But He wanted us to understand how deep it is that knowing who we truly are, that, I'm telling you. I, listen, I've done a word study on this term ungodly. Where it talks about, uh, you know, He died for the ungodly. In, in 2 Samuel 22.5, ungodly is used to reference the enemies of God. In 2 Chronicles 19.2, it's used to reference King Ahab, who married Jezebel, who was a wicked king. In, in Job 16.11, it's used synonymously with, with the wicked. In Proverbs 16.27, it's used to describe a man with evil lips. In, in Proverbs 19.28, it's used to describe a scorner. In, in 2 Peter chapter 2, in verses 5 and 6, in verse 5, it's used to describe those during Noah's day who had evil imaginations in their heart continually, the Bible says. In verse 6, it describes the character of those of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Jude, it describes those who mock the things of God and who are false prophets. And there is much, 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 much more. But what I'm trying to say to you this morning is this, is that if we are honest with ourselves, we too are all these things. We're ungodly and we're sinners, but yet Christ still died for us to be saved. Listen to this. And just as His display of love cannot be fully understood until we see all the entail, all that entails the cross, we cannot understand the depths of His love until we fully understand who we are. Yeah. 
We're ungodly. And we're sinners. I want you to take your Bibles and go to hold your place there in Romans and go with me to Luke chapter 7. I think this is interesting. Luke chapter number 7. Look at Luke chapter 7 and look at verse number 36. In Luke chapter 7 and verse number 36, it says this, And one of the Pharisees desired him, talking about Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he, Jesus, went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Oh, here we go. When she, was, when, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears, with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now listen, notice it says this, He spake within himself. You know what that means? That means he didn't say it out loud. Right? Now look at verse, <laughs> look at verse number 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. Now listen, he already did, he did know his heart. Just like he knew her heart. Is everybody catching this? Now look at what he says. He says, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when, they had, and when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he uh, to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Now, I know this is taking a little time, but please, please, please listen to this. Because the point that I'm trying to make is exactly the point that Jesus Christ is making here with Simon the Pharisee. And you've you got to understand what's going on here. Please, please grab a hold of it. Listen to me. This woman is no more wicked than Simon. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is anybody catching this? They, listen, it, it, both are ungodly, both are sinners, but it was Simon, a Pharisee, who failed to see himself as she saw herself before God. And you know what happens? She gets saved. And she receives the love of God. And he doesn't. I want you to listen to this. I just wrote a couple of things from this. 
I believe this, and I want you to catch this. I believe we do a great disservice to the love of God when we sit around and mope in our sin and in our guilt, whether you are lost or saved. Do, do you, listen, listen, if you're here this morning and there has never been a time and place where you've called upon the name of the Lord and you're sitting there thinking, God can't forgive me because of the things I've done. I've had people do that. I, I've had people think to themselves, I've done this in my life and so God can't forgive me. I've done this in my life and God can't, listen, listen to me, listen to me. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, you can be saved. Do you, do you not understand the testimony of the Apostle Paul, who is the writer of the book of Romans, who, who persecuted the church, who had people thrown in jail, who had people put to death for the gospel of Jesus Christ, yet God saved him? If God can save him, if God can save me, if God can forgive this woman, he can forgive anybody in this room. And you are doing a great disservice to the love that God has for you to sit there and go, well, I just don't think He can forgive me. You don't understand the love of God. Because He loves you and He wants you to be saved. But even as a child of God, I'm just telling you, do you, do you not understand David who, who was a saved man, but yet he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had, had her husband murdered, Uriah? But yet God forgave him. God would eventually restore him to right fellowship. He would go down in the Word of God as a man after mine own heart. My friend, if God can do that for David, God's still God. He can do that for you and me. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But can I also say this? You're doing a great disservice to God if you've got the attitude of Simon. You're doing a great disservice to the love of God. And I, listen, I, I'm telling you, I got saved at the age of 20 in 1996. And you didn't have to convince me that I was a sinner. I, I knew that, man. I knew what I was doing in my life and drinking alcohol and living wickedly. Nobody had to see me. Now, listen, you're a wicked sinner. And yeah, I, I know that. What I had to do was understand that Jesus, that God was real and Jesus Christ did die and was buried and rose again the third day and praise God, the Spirit of God got a hold of my heart and showed me those things and I got saved. But you and I are living in a generation today, oh, how lofty are their eyes. In other words, they want to justify themselves in the way that they're living. And, oh, I'm okay and I'm right with God. I'm, I'm, I haven't done anything. No, my friend. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, here's the thing. The standard isn't me and you. The standard's Him. And if He be the standard, then you mark it down. We be ungodly. And we be sinners. And we need to be saved. But that's not, no, no, no. That's not just if you're here this morning and lost. You need that. I'm, I'm just telling you, even us as God's people need to be careful of that. And developing this attitude of, of, the, of the Pharisees and Simon and starting to look down our nose at people. Well, there goes so-and-so down to the altar to grapple at Jesus' feet. Well, maybe you need to be down at the altar grappling at the feet of Jesus because we're all ungodly and we're all sinful men. That's right. Amen. But go back to Romans chapter 5 just quickly. Taking me a long time just to get here. I got more preaching to do. I may have to cut her off like a bologna sandwich. Because you and I can't forget the context. He said, Glory 
in your tribulation. Because the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Ghost. And God's displayed His love. It's a deep love, friend. He loved you, even though you were a sinner and ungodly. But how true it is that we often reveal the heart of Simon when we go through some kind of hardship or difficulty in life. And I've heard people say this, even God's people. Well, I didn't deserve that. And I want you to listen to this this morning. And I'm not trying to minimize your hardship or difficulty or anything like that. I I wouldn't wish that on anybody. but But you need to understand this. According to the text, we kind of do. We're ungodly. And we're sinners. And, and, and the things that we go to is a part, is a result of this sin cursed life. And, I'm, I'm, and the point is this what, what's this? See, it's, it's that type of prideful heart, that, that heart of Simon that keeps you from the love of God in the midst of your tribulation. See, instead your your heart gets hard towards God, and then you blame God, and then you get bitter towards God. And, And then you fail to be that conduit of the love of God to those around you. Is everybody getting this? But see, when when a heart is broken and seeks God and trusts God in the midst of their tribulation they will begin to experience the love of God to help them go through those dark valleys. And as a, rejoy- as a result, there can be the joy of God. And the next thing you know, they, they are a conduit to those around them that they're watching them go through it. And their attitude is completely different from the world. How? Because the love of God's been shed abroad in their heart through the Holy Spirit. Pretty awesome, isn't it? But it's not. Listen, I mean, think about everything that he does. I mean, the things that love the love of God provides. Look, look at verses nine and ten. I mean, let's let's keep going here. Y'all okay? All right. We just we just got a couple of things here. But you got, look at look at verse number nine. He says he says much more than he says much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So here's, here's this term, justified, that we see again from verse number 1 that we looked at last week. It's a, it's a term used in the court of law. It means this, not guilty. It means, oh, I like this one, just as if I'd ever sinned. And what, what a blessing that is. And, and notice again, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But here's the point of these two verses. See, when man responds to God's love by faith, which is the work of Christ on the cross, he is justified, and as a result, two things are provided by God's love. Here's the first one, we're rescued from His wrath. Well, okay, well, what does that mean? What, what does wrath mean? Do I, listen, I, I realize this, that religion today 
talks a whole lot about the wrath of God, but mentions very, or talks a whole lot about the love of God, but mentions very little about the wrath of God. All right? But you've got to understand this. I, I believe this. Again, you're doing a disservice to the love of God if you don't deal with the wrath of God. Because you understand, the Bible, the Bible word saved, it means this, to be rescued. Well, to be rescued from what? Well, it means to be rescued from hell. It's still in the Bible. Still a truth. The Lord Jesus preached it. Well, so you and I need to preach it. But you understand that because man is a sinner, he is ungodly, he is condemned to hell for all eternity... But that's why God so loved the world and gave His only begotten Son. And that when man humbles himself and comes to Jesus Christ by faith, he is saved from that wrath. He is rescued from that wrath. Even Jesus said that hell was not meant for man. It was meant for the devil and his angels. God wants you to be saved. I remember when I was a kid, man, at Pensacola Beach where I grew up at. And uh, me and my dad were out in the waves out there in the Gulf of Mexico And all of a sudden, one of those big waves, I was just a little fella, and I turned around, and one of those waves came crashing down on me. And man, I just started spinning down there underneath that water, and the undertow had me, and wouldn't let me go. Man, and I was drowning. And all of a sudden, I felt, I just, these big old hands came down into the water, and grabbed me, and pulled me up out of the water. And there was my dad. And I was like, whoo! That was a close one. He was like, boy? I was like, yes, sir. Staying close to him from now on. What, what I'm saying to you is this, he rescued me. And what I'm saying to you is this, that's exactly what God did for us on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Is that when mankind is drowning in his sin and headed to a place called hell for all eternity, God sent his only begotten son, reached down unto man. And when man comes to him in salvation, he can be saved. Amen. In fact, look at the next verse here. Let's move on. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Look at verse number, look at verse number uh, 10. For if... For if when we were enemies, listen to this, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So not only are we rescued from, it, from wrath, we are reconciled unto God. Here's the idea. Now watch this. Now I'm going to finish really quickly here, but you've got to grab a hold of this. Reconcile means this, to put back into fellowship. Alright, what was lost in the garden between God and man is now reconciled through Jesus Christ. And the idea is this, is that God didn't come just to give us eternal life. He came to give us abundant life. Amen. So that not only can we, listen, not only that when we turn to God, are we saved and, and rescued from the wrath of God, but we can now have right fellowship with God. Amen. We got His love and we can be filled with it in our life. And the product of all of this is in verse number 11. Look at what he says. See, I'm skipping a whole bunch of stuff, but look at verse number 11. He says this, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. See, I'm telling you, when you receive the love of God, you get saved, you can have right fellowship with God and be filled. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Through the, and the next thing you know, God's joy begins to, begins to just come out of your life. joy you rejoice in your salvation you can rejoice that you're forgiven we have received the atonement the propitiation the substitutionary death we have a home in heaven for all eternity don't get too excited there we're a child of God now look just you can leave Romans go to John chapter 15 
Verse 11, I want you to see this real quick. And I'm through. Here's what Jesus said. All right, now watch this. Watch how all this flows together. It's so awesome. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Look at verse number 9. He says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And here's what he says. Continue ye in my love. Abide in it. Okay, how do we do that? Well, look at verse number 10. He says, If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now watch this. Now look at verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my... What's that right there? (laughs) That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be what? You remember that electric fence? I'm telling you, the only way you're going to have God's joy, God's love, and God's joy coming out of your life is if you attach to the source. And if you're lost, you need to be saved. But if you're saved, you need right fellowship with God. You've got to abide in His love. And then the next thing you know, you experience God's joy and it begins to come out of your life in a world, in a world that is very joyless. Now let me ask you, have you been a partaker of God's love? Do you know Christ as your Savior? And if not, today needs to be the day of salvation. But let me ask you, child of God, how's your joy? Because your joy is determined by whether or not you're tapped into the source of God's love. Let's all stand this morning.